Well, this week, as most of you, I'm sure, know, uh, perhaps everybody here knows that we lost a dear saint, um, a man of, of great faith, Victor Farah. He died uh, Monday morning, and uh, I'm not going to preach the funeral homily. Next Sunday, after church, we'll have a memorial service for Victor. And, um, boy, we're going to miss him. He's, we're going to miss him, seeing him sitting right there every Sunday, and his occasional amen. It's good to hear amen every once in a while. So if somebody wants to pick up the, where he left off, that would be great. I just want to mention something that he said to me. One of the last times we were together, for an extended time, we had dinner with him. He invited me and my family to have uh, dinner with him for a Christmas celebration. And he was sharing stories. You know, if you, if you know Victor, you know the, the stories of all the people that he had met through his life. It was amazing. Um, and he was telling Noah that he met Charles Lindbergh when he was about Noah's age at one time. He, um, he knew Ross Perot. Um, he met President Ford before he was President Ford. Some of you know that story. But then he paused and he said, you know, I've met a lot of important people in my life, but the most important person I've met, the most important person I know is God. He had met God through Jesus Christ. And and, and he had made it his goal in his life to know Christ better. He was really an example of that to our congregation, I believe. And you know, that needs to be the focus of our life. Uh, because one day, like Victor, we're going to go into eternity. And we're going to meet God. And we need to prepare to meet Him now. We need to know this God that we're going to meet one day in eternity. And that needs to be the goal of our life. The focus of our life is to seek to know God through Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do this morning is to look at this story of the wise men on their journey to seek Christ the King for insights for us regarding what it means to seek Christ. Now I know that we're past the Epiphany Day. We're still in Epiphany season had a parishioner tell me that they've put away all their Christmas decorations, the 12 days of Christmas are over, and the last to go were the wise men. They were saving the wise men for the day of Epiphany, but now the wise men are packed away. Well, I'm asking you to unpack the wise men here this morning. Let's look at their story one more time. This was a sermon I wanted to preach last Sunday, and I think it's important for us to hear. So we're going to look at this story of the wise men in order to discover for us what it means to seek Christ, to make that a goal this year of 2014. And the very first thing I want to point out is something, of course, very obvious, that the wise men took action. They saw the star, and then they had to take action. God revealed something to them, but then they had to move. They had to journey towards the star. Knowing Christ better is not a result of passivity. We have to take action. So verses 1 and 2 tells us that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We're not exactly where, we don't know exactly where they came from. We know they came from the east, but we're not precise about the location, but we can make an educated guess. 
because the term magi, which is here translated in the ESV, wise men, uh, that comes from the region of Persia. And the practices that they were involved in, astrology and the study of sacred writings, um, was popular among the class of the Magi in Persia and in Babylon. So think of, of Iran and Iraq. That's the region that they're coming from. Uh, just for fun, I went to Google Maps to see how long would it take, if such a thing is even possible today, to get from Baghdad to, to, uh, to Bethlehem today. And by car, it would take, and this has no bearing at all historically. This is just for fun, just, just to kind of think through it here. This is a long journey. By car, according to Google Maps, to get from Baghdad to Bethlehem would take you 40 hours. That's a long car ride, isn't it? I think that's New York to California. But, of course, they weren't driving in a car, right? They, were, um, they had camels, they had mules, they had a big entourage. So according to my Bible study notes, uh, which is more uh, accurate historically, it probably took them around 40 days. This was a 40-day journey through the desert if they left from the region of Babylon. So the point is this. To seek Christ, they went on a difficult journey. They had to go to great lengths. They had to persist in this journey, all in order to meet Him, to encounter Him, and to worship the King. And the question for us is, and they're an example for us, what actions will you take this year to know Christ better? That should be the goal, really, of 2014 for all of us who are Christians. I want to know Christ better this year than I did last year. I want to know more of His love, more of His power, more of His truth this year than I did in 2013. Paul the Apostle says in Philippians 3.12, after he has he's been talking about wanting to know Christ, he considers everything a loss for the sake of knowing Christ. That is the goal of his life. That is the priority of his life. And then he says this. This is a great New Year's verse, Philippians 3.12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Listen, because Christ has made me his own. I'm pressing toward the goal to know Christ because Christ has made me His own. And that's the motivation that Jesus has called us. Jesus has saved us. His work on the cross, His death for our sin, His mighty resurrection, His Holy Spirit in us. He's adopted us because of His work. We've been adopted into the family of God. He has made us His own. He's shown us this great love. And so the motivation is we want to love Him more. We want to know this One who has shown us so much love. Taking steps to know Christ isn't about trying to prove something to God or to perform for Him. It is pressing on to know Him who has already made us His own. We want to know more of His love. We always live by His grace and forgiveness, but we're called to press on. So again, I just want to ask you, maybe you've already thought through this at the beginning of the year. This is something I do every year. How can I develop more in my relationship with Christ? What steps do I need to take this year to develop more in my relationship with Christ? Have you done that this year? Have you reflected on that? I know some people are, are, are shy about making New Year's resolutions based on past experience. 
Well, there's a saying, may your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. <laughs> but this is a goal for all of us. And like Paul, we forget what's behind. We're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes, but we're called to press on. So what steps will you take? How about prayer? <laughs> How about growing in prayer? I think all of us could grow in prayer. None of us have graduated from the school of prayer. How are you going to grow in your prayer life with God? God doesn't want us just to say our prayers. God wants us to develop a relationship of prayer, a relationship with Him through prayer. I read an article a couple of weeks ago. The writer was asking prominent people, what was the best thing that happened in 2013? And, and a lot of these people responded uh, at a personal level. Some people talked about their what happened to their children, or some people were celebrating that, that they have grandchildren now, that they're grandparents, and some people were talking about their career. But one person who's a, a news analyst said, the best thing that happened to me in 2013 was this, quote, I discovered prayer. It changed my life, and I didn't think it needed changing. We connect with God through prayer. And it can begin just with five, ten minutes a day, making that a priority. I'm going to carve some time out to be with God through prayer. And of course, as Anglicans, we have great resources to help us grow in our prayer life. And if you need help with that, I'd be happy to point you to that. You can use the tools that the uh, ancient church has given us to grow in a prayer life. We grow in our knowledge of Christ by studying His Word, of course. And not just studying His Word like it's an intellectual pursuit. But then the challenge, this is the hard part, applying that to our daily lives. Living in obedience to what His Word says. We grow in our relationship with God knowing Christ more through worship, individual worship, and worship together as the body of Christ. Something happens when we come together and we're here to encourage one another this year. So we need it, and I'm preaching to the choir because you're here this morning, but we need to make it a, a priority to be the body of Christ in 2014 as Church of the Resurrection, to be together, to make this a priority, to worship together each Sunday if possible. So what steps have you taken? What steps are you going to take to know Christ, to seek to know the King better in 2014? But there's something we need to be aware about in this journey to know Jesus better, that we have an enemy who wants to sidetrack us, to derail us, who opposes Christ and His kingdom. Satan, the evil one, is going to do whatever he can to prevent us from knowing Jesus better. And in our story, the evil one is at work behind and within and through King Herod. This is a clash of kingdoms. Herod represents the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. He hangs on to his power through violence and oppression, and he's a very fearful man. That's how the kingdom of darkness works, operates through fear and violence and oppression. And then the kingdom of Christ is about trust and giving and loving and serving others. This is a clash of two kingdoms. And the evil one is at work in and through King Herod. The wise men come to Jerusalem and they say rather naively, you know, you just imagine the, 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 these folks coming in from another place, an entourage, bearing these great gifts and saying rather naively again, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And alarm bells start to go off 
throughout Jerusalem because this is the thing that King Herod is fearing, that there's going to be an uprising, that they're going to try to put forward their own king. And then the citizenry of Jerusalem, the Jews there are troubled as well. Herod became troubled, and then it says the city became troubled. People in the city became troubled because Herod had a reputation for violence, and they feared this violent uh, backlash. Herod was just an evil person who, who murdered members of his own family just to maintain his throne. And of course, later in this chapter, chapter 2, we see him killing all the male babies under two years old in an effort to destroy the Messiah. The spirit of the evil one was at work in Herod's murderous rage. And we can't be naive. If we start to make plans we start to press on in knowing Christ better in 2014, the evil one is going to try to counteract that. That is why Christ taught us to pray, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. We have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, who does not want us to trust Christ. What he wants to do this year in our life is to distract us and to sow seeds of doubt when difficulty comes your way in this year, and it's going to come for all of us in one form or another, right? There's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. And what the enemy wants to do is, is to sow seeds of doubt, to not trust the goodness of God. If you're going through this, then how can God be a good God if He allows you to go through those things? He's going to sow those kind of seeds of doubt in our life. He wants to distract us to dazzle us with what this world has to offer, materialism, entertainment, sensuality. He wants to just dangle this before us and to distract us from our pursuit of knowing Christ. He wants to draw us into the things of the world and the concerns of the world rather than the things of the kingdom of God. So when we commit to know Christ better, we just have to be forewarned that there's going to be a counterattack. And that's how it's going to be with our church as well. I'm, just, I'm, I'm ready for the counterattack. I'm ready to see what Satan is going to try to do to derail what God wants to do in our church. I was talking with a friend who's involved in a, in a prayer ministry recently. And he's seen many people healed emotionally through this ministry. It's an intensive ministry where people come and they're prayed for and they're interviewed and it takes, um, takes many hours. People set aside half a day or so to go through this. And he told me that he says to people who agree to come to this prayer ministry, ministry, be ready for one of the hardest weeks of your life. It's going to be difficult. You're going to be distracted. The enemy's going to try to derail you from coming. And he said that there have been people who've pulled up to the church parking lot and have sat there for hours and never gotten out of their car and they just turned around because they could not really deal with confronting some of the things that needed to be confronted. And they were afraid about what God might have to do in their life. The freedom that many people experience through this ministry, however, is remarkable, but the enemy doesn't want people to experience that. But I want you to remember some truths of Scripture. 1 John 4.4, 4, listen to this. Greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. Christ is greater. Colossians 2.15 tells us that at the cross... Christ, listen, disarm the rulers, the spiritual rulers and authorities, the dark powers, putting them to shame and triumphing over them. 
In our journey to know Jesus, we can stand in the power of Christ against the darkness. God will protect us. God will lead us. God will guide us just like he did with these wise men. You can bank on that. You can count on that if you look to Christ. Christ is supreme. Christ is Lord over these lordless powers. But just be aware that the enemy is, is at work. And pay attention. Pay attention to your thoughts because the battle is there. Again, so much of it has to do with Satan trying to get us away, draw us away from focusing on Christ and trusting in Him. You have to battle against fear. You have to battle against anxiety. You have to battle against lust. All these things through the strength and power of Christ. Here is the good news, and here is why it's possible that we can know Christ better this year than last year. It's because it's God's will to make Himself known. It is in the character of God to reveal Himself. Herod can't trap these wise men. He, he can't kill the true king because it's God's will that the wise men find the king. And it's God's will that the whole world knows the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so God is leading them. Verse 9 tells us that after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. God is guiding them through the star until it came to rest over the place where the child was. God guides them and God warns them. Verse 11, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother. Jesus at this point is probably around two years old, no longer a newborn baby. And they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And traditionally, those gifts have been interpreted this way, gold for a king. Frankincense is an offering of incense to God. And myrrh was used as a spice to prepare for burial. So this king was a king who was born to die. But then they did something appropriate. They bowed down and they worshipped him. And that's how we should respond to God's king. God leads them to find Christ. And then he, he warns them, verse 12, they were told in a dream, God warned them a dream, and a dream not to return to Herod, so they departed to their country by another way. But I want you to see something here about the nature of God, the God of the Bible. It is God's nature to reveal Himself. And here, God is revealing His Son even to these pagans. That's really the point of this whole story, that there is a, there is a universal scope for salvation. Matthew's a very Jewish gospel, but here he starts his gospel with, a, a, with, with God reaching out to the Gentiles to make a point that this salvation is for the whole world. And he's revealing his son to these pagan Gentiles who practice astrology. <laughs> it's remarkable. By the way, that doesn't mean astrology is okay. Astrology is really condemned as a form of idolatry in the Bible because you're worshiping created things. You're looking to created things rather than the creator. But in this exceptional case, God is... He's reaching people where they're at. He's reaching these pagans where they're at, revealing Himself to them as they're searching for truth. And this is just a, a foreshadowing of what Paul is talking about in our Ephesians text, that the mystery is that the Gentiles, non-Jews, belong to the same people of God as the Jews through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's the heart of God to reveal Himself to people who are seeking Him. There's an application for here, here for us as a church. One commentator put it this way, even the most pagan of pagans may respond to Jesus if given the opportunity. I hope this year at Church of the Resurrection we see a lot of pagans come to know Jesus Christ. Even the most pagan of pagans. <laughs> people who are far from God, but people who are sincerely seeking truth God wants to reach them through us. That's going to be a focus this year. That's going to be a prayer this year. But my prayer and my heart for you and for me is that this year we'll make it a point to seek to know Christ better. That our church, and this is, one of our, this is part of our mission statement, right? To, to know Christ and to make Him known. That our church would be filled with people who know Christ so that when people come in who don't know Christ, they'll look around and say, there's something different about these people. There's a reality here, a spiritual reality that I want. A relationship with God that I need. It's possible to know Christ more because that's God's will to make Himself known in Jesus Christ. He won't force Himself on us but He wants us to seek after Him. And when we seek, we'll find. That's what Jesus said. It's like when my children were little, my older children. When they were little, we played a lot of hide and seek. And I would count to, you know, ten in the living room while they went down the hall to hide in their bedrooms. And I'd start counting one, two, three, and make my way there, ready or not, here I come. And uh, I'd say, you know, where are you at? And I'd hear giggling and snickering. And then I'd pretend I couldn't find them. I don't know where you're at. Where are you? And within seconds, they would say, here we are, we're over here. They didn't want to be left alone. They didn't want to be away from me. They wanted to be close. And friends, God doesn't want to stay in the dark. When we seek after Him, He says to us, here I am. There are certain truths about God that we'll never know this side of eternity, but in general, God is a God who is revealing Himself. That's what the whole Scripture is about, revealing His love and His heart towards us in Jesus Christ. God doesn't need to be with us. He's not lonely in a dark closet. He is triune. He's filled with love. At the very heart of God is this eternal family of love, but He wants to share that with us. It's an astonishing truth that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with us. He's made that possible through Jesus Christ. So this year, respond to that call. Follow the star. Follow the light of Christ. Seek Him. And He promises that we'll find Him if we seek. Amen. Help us, God, to respond to the revelation that you've given us in Jesus Christ this year out of love. Help us to be motivated to seek you because we love you. And we know that you've demonstrated your love to us on the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for anyone here who might feel distant from You. Perhaps somebody here who's never really 
turn their life over to you, Christ, as King. I pray that you'll work on their hearts and minds. That they would cling to you because you are our only hope of eternity. Lord, I pray for those who maybe are um, discouraged or complacent in their walk with you. All of us get that way one time or another. We pray that you will renew our desire for you. Help us, Lord God, this year to know you better than we did last year. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.